Welcome to Scream Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me that I was bipolar. I was released with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for about a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using music for therapy and as a way to escape. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. This is Scream Therapy, episode 30 and a half, recapping episodes 21 to 30. Stick around at the end of this recap for a reading of my essay, A Fractured Journey. It feels like Scream Therapy is hitting its groove. 30 episodes. It blows my mind. I remember holding out on paying for a SoundCloud account because I wasn't sure if I'd even get to five episodes. My guests have been so generous, telling their stories about how the punk rock scene helps their mental health. Screen therapy is all about learning from each other's experiences. The past 10 episodes have featured punk musicians, punk advocates, punk activists, even punk rock mental health professionals. On episode 21, I talked to clinical psychologist Dr. Steven Danziger, who grew up in the New York punk scene. We discussed trauma and how punk can help to process it. I look at punk rock as being one of the many possible resources, internal, external resources that a person might have. And some people can work it out and have it release and stay that way. They can have a positive result that's sustainable. Alicia Bagnano of Bully told me about tackling the ups and downs of bipolar on episode 22. Alicia talked about how she uses screaming and playing guitar as a way to ground herself. And I just felt like my insides were just burning. All I wanted to do was just be really reckless because I felt so out of touch. Just thinking about it, I can like feel it in my chest. On episode 23, Dr. Mike Friedman of Hardcore Humanism talked about how communities like punk rock can help people to find a more holistic, humanist way of life. You could get into it as deeply as you want to get into it, you know, and when you have something like that, that can be very, very, you know, it can embolden people, it can invigorate people. I know it did for me. Episode 24, Craig Shea of Cold Rex, an answering machine, talked about managing his anxiety and keeping his symptoms under control. Sometimes you feel like you're having a heart attack or you feel like you just can't handle something, you're going to pop. Everything feels like stimulus sometimes, like a person talking to me could be overwhelming. It was a pleasure to welcome Rosie Richardson to episode 25 of the podcast. Rosie is the screamer in Night Witch, a hardcore punk band from Tallahassee, Florida. She addressed how sexual predators are threatening the punk scene. You experience something that sucks. <laughs> and you're like, wait, that shouldn't happen here. Wait, this is punk. Why is that happening here? I thought we were different. Episode 26 featured Regan Allen Ashton, bassist and problem daughter and solo country punk artist. Regan talked about living with bipolar. He also opened up about his addiction. They had to intervene then and said, uh, we have to break up the bands. It's either bands or you can stop doing heroin. Deanna Bellos from Sincere Engineer joined me on episode 27 to talk about generalized anxiety. Deanna explained how writing and playing music is such an important creative outlet. 
I'm like constantly exhausted because I overwork myself just to like avoid thinking about stuff. But then you have like something to show for it, so that's kind of rewarding. On episode 28, I had a lively discussion with Sasha Altman de Bruel, a mental health activist who was in the New York ska punk band Choking Victim. Sasha talked about his problems with using the language of recovery. In no way have I ever felt like the word recovery really captured what it is that I went through because each time I went through one of those experiences, I learned so much and I gained so much. Episode 29 featured a figurative saint. Feed the Scene founder Rachel Taft has been feeding and housing bands since 2011. Rachel told me how starting the band and breakfast helped her come out of depression after the death of her mother. I had to bathe today. I had to eat today. I couldn't have cupcakes and cheese for dinner because we had a band coming over and I promised them I was making them dinner. Last but certainly not least, episode 30 featured Simon Forsyth of Nozomi Counseling. Simon told me how he encourages his clients to use the ethos of punk rock as a model for mental health and to reclaim their lives. In itself, I think therapy is an act of resistance. To me, it makes perfect sense to put those two together. Like, because if therapy is like revolution and punk is revolution, they have so much in common, like straight off the bat. To listen to these episodes and others, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com. Before I was diagnosed bipolar, my depression told me I would never write again. What's the point? Why bother? You're worthless. Why don't you just die? Don't bother even opening up your laptop. One day, I pried it open and wrote one sentence. The second day, one paragraph. Third day, one page. Then nothing. Back and forth. Writing, then no writing. The dreaded ups and downs. My bipolar roller coaster. These writings became a fractured journey, recently published by the OC87 Recovery Diaries at oc87recoverydiaries.org. When the piece was published, almost three years after I started writing it, I was stoked. But I was even more stoked by the audio reading by OC87 Editor-in-Chief Gabriel Nathan, featured on their Mental Health Allowed podcast. When I listened to my piece being read by Gabriel, it gave me shivers. His voice with my words, it was just oof. OC87 has graciously allowed me to air Gabriel's reading of A Fractured Journey here on Scream Therapy. Trigger Warning Childhood Sexual Abuse and Suicidal Ideation A Fractured Journey Feeling the Throes of Bipolar Disorder Before Diagnosis by Jason Schroers Abuse I don't remember much of what happened, just quick flashes and foggy details. The rest is redacted. I was only six, seven, or eight. I know I was taken to a rowboat by a teenage or young adult man and paddled out to a private part of a lake where I was forced down towards the floor of the boat. My next memory after that, or perhaps it was a separate memory, is being in the forest beside the lake and wiping myself off. The laughs of two or three teenaged or young adult males. I don't remember what they were saying or doing. I remember they smelled like they hadn't bathed in a while. That dirty bum smell. They lived in the trailer park where my mom and I lived. I remember J.C. was one of them, and the others might have been his older brothers. 
I don't remember how I got there. I don't blame myself or anyone else other than them. I don't think I ever told my mom about it, but she must have known something was wrong. I often wonder if she's holding guilt about that and other things that happened to me when I was a kid. I sometimes wonder if what happened was just a dream. I can't remember the details that I don't want to remember. If I remember what happened, maybe I could deal with it and move on. That blank part of my memory is the scourge of my time here. If I could get it back, I could try to forgive and move on. Processing one. Once upon a time, there was a man who felt he didn't deserve happiness. So he sabotaged everything and lived in misery until he died. Wonderful things happened to him. Wonderful people came into his life. He turned that wonder to misery and ended up alone and afraid. The happy ending does not exist. Processing 2 Once upon a time, there was a man who lived a happy life, loved by many. This man was able to find peace in his life. He didn't ruminate on his decisions and instinctively knew what to say and do to find happiness. He was a born leader who was able to inspire people and himself. Everything he set out to do in his life, he did with hard work and passion. The happy ending does exist. Depression 1. I'm wallowing in the misery of being alive, a selfish idiot who only cares about himself and isn't able to make even the simplest choices in order to feel better. I should be able to allow those around me to feel my positive energy instead of this sick, miserable, wallowing negativity. Why can't I just be happy? Depression 2. How many times can I fuck up before I give up? I want to crawl into a hole and die. I feel like the world's biggest failure, and I have no purpose on this earth other than to screw things up and make things worse. The only thing keeping me here is my family and friends, and I'm not even sure they'd miss me at this point. I'm such a waste of space, and I want to die. I feel like... I'm crafting something dramatic here so someone else can read this and help me. I am fucked, and I don't know how to fix myself. I can feel the weight of depression pinning me down and rubbing my face in the dirt. I don't know what to do. Existentialism I'm feeling a bit better. The medication dulls my emotions, and I don't have the same urges to disappear. My head constantly aches from stress, but feelings of worthlessness fade throughout the day. It's always the hardest when I first wake up. The morning walk helps distract me, but when I come home, it hits me hard. What am I doing with my life? Where am I going? What was I put here to do? What is my purpose? I can't do the simplest of things to keep myself occupied. Looking at job postings is torture, because I know I can't bring myself to do anything. It feels like I'm on a planet full of people who all have jobs and purposes while I wander around with no reason for being here. 
Regular life distracts me, but then I sit here, aimless, while everyone else is working. The answers aren't getting clearer. I'm not looking for them. Hope? I know the answers, but I'm still not coming any closer to finding them. I have a bunch of options, but all of them involve doing something. I've had a problem with rumination for as long as I can remember. When I try to make a decision, I freeze. It could be whether to start a new career or what to make for dinner. Either way, I freeze in my tracks. That's a constant in my life. I'm actually familiar with the concept of fly traps. But if a friend reaches out to me to go for a walk, I spring into action. I don't have to think, I just do. I can often use a serious jolt. I've read about electroconvulsive therapy to reboot the brain, but isn't that a little extreme? My counselor says I have situational depression, and electricity coursing through my body doesn't sound like the proper treatment. But still a shock could shake me loose. Maybe I'm shutting down after so many years of moving fast. I've been going hard since I was 14. I spent years writing and editing for more music magazines than I can recall right now. I had held down full-time jobs at newspapers that stretched way into overtime, helped raise four kids, booked punk shows, and ran a punk mail-order distribution company, all happening at the same time. The amount of work I used to do on a daily basis amazes me now. How did I get it all done? So many projects, so many ideas. Busy work, typing, data entry, writing, editing 12 hours a day, packaging up all those musical orders for the mail order. All of it. Every single day. Morning to evening, then again at night. No peace of mind, never for long at least. And now I'm here. And it's just me, myself, and I. Sitting at a keyboard and failing to rid myself of this infection. This busy life that stuck with me for decades and feels impossible to shake. Did years and years of overworking myself and letting stress consume me put me deep in this hole? If I slow down too much, will I be eaten alive or survive the mauling? Questioning. Trying to clear my mind. Most thoughts are our past or future where I trap myself. Either I regret the past or worry about the future. Present is real life. Things are happening right now that deserve my attention. Things will make me happy again, but I'm too blind to see them. Smiles feel nice. This is proven. Worry doesn't feel good. This is proven. How do I calibrate myself to maximum enjoyment? Running away on fancy vacations, following punk bands around on tours? Burying myself in another job so I can justify doing these things on my vacations? Hmm. Maybe I need to figure out that happiness bit first. Desperation. Maybe I'm getting better. Feels like I could be. But honestly, I have no idea at this point. I am completely exhausted from months of worry and stress. I wake up every day hit with overwhelming anxiety and depression. 
My first thoughts are usually about the dread of another day or how soon I can go back in bed. The anxiety makes my heart jump at everyday sounds and movements. The depression feels like a pile of chain mail thrown over me. I'm stumbling through a fog of emotional pain. Loneliness, vulnerability, guilt, shame, remorse, sadness, boredom, a general sense of negativity. The forced smile on my face, crushed by a blood-curdling scream of why won't anyone fucking help me? When you see me laugh, please cherish it, because I can't. Realization. Maybe I'm meant to be a nobody. An unspoken hero, even. Someone who goes to work, doesn't stress, then goes home and lives a peaceful life. People remember the person, not the things they do. Is that true? If I can be who I've always wanted to be, a stable husband, father, brother, son, friend, maybe what I do isn't as important as the person I am. Maybe the things I do are just a bonus. Maybe anything extra is just the icing. And maybe that icing doesn't have to be sickly sweet. Maybe I'm meant to help people out when they need it, stick up for what is right, spend time with and put effort into people that deserve it. Maybe being a nobody is the goal. For so many years, I put value on what people think of me, what my status means to those around me. I've had a fear of abandonment and being harmed since the abuse, and I've spent my whole life trying to please others instead of taking care of myself. I'm finally ready to be that nobody who only wants to be known as a somebody to the ones I love. And that starts with me. Diagnosis. Yesterday, I found out I have bipolar disorder, formerly known as manic depression. Thinking back, this explains a lot. Reading back on my writing, it becomes clear. A lot of what I wrote had depression and mania peeking through, cries for help from between the lines. When I was depressed, my writing was dark, seen through a lens of despair. When I was manic, I ecstatically pounded on my keyboard. Everything was awesome. Knowing what I've been living with all these years explains a lot of my struggles, but that comes with mixed feelings and uncertainty, but I'm used to that. I think back on my life and I can't rub away all my bad decisions or shameful behavior, but I can find ways to explain them. My diagnosis has opened pathways in my brain. Clarity may be just what my decades of confusion need. I feel like writing something like, wish me luck on this incredible journey, but that feels way too optimistic and super cheesy. Once upon a time, there was a man who lived with bipolar. He'll be happy to take an ending with mixed results. Jason Shrews lives in the small coastal town of Powell River in British Columbia, Canada. He was diagnosed bipolar in 2018, and part of his recovery has been helping himself and others through facilitating mental health support groups and coaching people with chronic mental illness. 
Jason spends most of his time writing, hiking, obsessing over underground music, screaming and playing guitar in punk bands, and hosting a podcast called Scream Therapy about punk rock and mental health. He is studying for his Master of Fine Arts in Creative Nonfiction at the University of King's College. In two years, we'll have his degree and a book about, you guessed it, punk rock and mental health. And you've been listening to Mental Health Allowed by OC87 Recovery Diaries. I'm Editor-in-Chief Gabriel Nathan, encouraging you to sign up for this podcast wherever you listen. And check us out for more mental health recovery stories at oc87recoverydiaries.org. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. Yeah.